Flower Podcast. This is episode number 20. I am joined by a very special guest. His name is Bruce Linton. He is a man of many traits, very connected in the cannabis industry, also a pioneer in the legal cannabis industry. Thanks for joining me, Bruce. Hey, good to be here, man. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it. We were talking a little bit briefly before this about Gage Cannabis. I just want to talk about you know, initially, what are you doing with Gage? And then I definitely want to talk about cookies because I heard that you're instrumental in getting that organized. And I'm as you as as you can see behind me, pretty fascinated with uh, your <laughs> brand there. Yeah, um, so um, I generally think it's really important to like things because you thought about it and have decided you believe it's a good idea, not because everyone else believes it's a good idea. Because by the time everyone else believes something's a good idea, it's usually a reasonably old idea. And it's that, sort I of mean, like, and I saw that, that though because everyone's like. You got, you were the first kind of one to convince, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, gauge cannabis to license with cookies. Now you see all of the other big MSOs doing it. And, you know, you were the head of the pack. Well, we, the guys there were, they were leading the charge. Um, I, you know, when I was out in California one time, I went by and checked out uh, Burner's shop and we walked up the street. He's like the, uh, he's like the mayor of the street. Everybody knows him, shaking hands, saying hi. Um, but what I really liked is he takes the time and connect with everybody. And, um, where cookies was right is they focused on how do you brand um, really dried flour? How do you brand that? Because what I'd observed was most people are spending a lot of money on their box and designers of the box and coloration of the box and lettering on the box, but the stuff inside the box, if I took it out and put it on a table with eight other products, even the vendor and or the person with the brand may or may not be able to discern the difference of their product where cookies is different and people who know know line up and are happy to be fortunate to have access so um gauge when i when i joined with them just like psychedelics and just like early cannabis it was considered not necessarily yet a good idea and the reason was is everybody gets initially so captivated they think about oh florida oh california oh pennsylvania that's great new jersey and if you actually said, well, why are you excited about it? Most people say, well, because somebody else is excited. And the reason I was excited about Michigan was um, I looked at it and thought, everybody there, it's, it's a relatively older state. So almost everybody's of age, like almost everybody. Yep. Okay, so like if you have 10 plus million people, a huge percentage represent a target market. They have a long ignored, but very broad medical program, like huge numbers. Um, they have a cannabis culture that goes way, way back. And they've been ignored in the branding of cannabis because I still think the cannabis soundtrack is some kind of hippy-dippy California Volkswagen Beetle. Well, none of those things really in any way describe Michigan. Yeah. And so I liked everything about the regulatory framework, the vertical integration. Like I don't really like states where you can't grow, process, and sell. And the reason I don't like them is so you build this terrific, fantastic retail environment, and then you got to wait for some dumb, 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 dumb to deliver crap to you. Well, that's <laughs> no good. Or you grow phenomenal product, process it, and then you give it to some guy who's running a dirty shop. Yeah. How does that build a brand? And yeah. so I loved Michigan 
And then I knew the gauge guys. I was going to go see a few other Michigan operators. I didn't. I went on the tour. I saw their stuff. I met with them and went, hands down, these guys are going to nail it. And so I recommended targets for them to consider buying, but I never went to see anybody else after I saw what they had. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's interesting. You know, you're talking about regulatory uh, framework. I mean, you must, you must love Washington state then. That's where I'm from, which is, which is the exact opposite of what you, well, <laughs> yeah, but, but I, so, but I do. So here, but he, maybe I'm just, um, I, I like different things for different reasons. Yeah. And so part of the reason I like a company called slang worldwide is they're successful in really hard states. Like their best states to operate are in places like Oregon, Colorado. Yep. So the reason I like them is I don't think the world's gonna get easier and less competitive, it's gonna get more so. And so a lot of these folks operate in these protected states where they think, oh man, I'm doing a great job, I'm selling everything out, when really in fact, they're protected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Limited licenses, easy, easy, you know, high barrier to entry for other competition. Yeah. They lock people out. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's California, right? I, right. I, I doing, you know, talk about California. I but if you look at, but if you look at, if you look at like those tough states, that's where slang kills it. So one of the things additional gauge did is they licensed slang's product lines into Michigan. Why? Because Michigan's already a very, very sophisticated consumer state. And so now they've got these tools ready to go, which is why they announced, you know, we're going to do this, what's called a reg A financing, which essentially is a way by which individuals get to participate in funding a company before it steps up to being publicly listed, which would hopefully be at a higher value than the individuals participate in. Mm -hmm. And um, you want to make sure to the best of your abilities that the individuals see a gain and a return because a lot of them are your customers in your cheering section. Absolutely. And so they need to see a good return. And then, you know what, if they, if they double their money, say, well, where are they going to spend a bunch of that in your store? Absolutely. And if they lose their money, where are they going to spend it? Not in your store. <laughs> no, no. And so it's you got like, to like the, a, it's like the, a, um, the a plus round funding, like, you know, high times is doing something similar. Is it prior to the business? Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, I think the idea of it is a good idea. I think uh, high times kind of, yeah. tripped over themselves three or four times in the process of doing it. This is, this should be something where, and I think they've cleaned up their story. As far as I can tell, high times went from great brand, bad execution to pretty okay now. Yeah. I think it's tough um, with high times because I mean, you taking a story brand that it's like, you know, I have a couple Star Wars things here. It's like when Disney bought Star Wars, the fandom is going to freak out, right? Because yeah. you, know, you have to be able to manage that. And they didn't necessarily do that. I think they're like, you're saying though, coming back and starting to. Yeah. Where I think Gage, you know, might be a little bit more um, seasoned in thinking about this stuff and not turn it into as much of a thing, but you know, Michigan to me, it is a great, if you can make, if you can have one state you're super strong in, they have a, you know, the retail, the grow, you've got a great cash flow, you've got a great customer base, you build really interesting brands. Then you can say what next? A truly, right? You're, right, you're the truly model. You're doing it with strength. Like uh, Kim just announced the other day, I think I saw that her 65th store is open in Florida. They're, they're crushing it. Yeah, they, they have like, I think like 55% market share on like in terms of uh, out of like 400,000, 450,000 patients there. Yeah. Crazy. And <laughs> and remember, Michigan used to be a patient. Now it's patient plus party. So, you know, this is, this is, um, it's an interesting one. And, and the, um, the kind of thing I like with Gage is it's got some folks who knew a lot about hydroponics and know a ton about the product. 
And some folks who knew how to make the best parts of your car for the last 30 years and make sure they were globally put together and had great computer systems controlling them. So when you mix those kind of skills, um, you really do end up with a pretty solid operating company that has great product. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of balancing that, you know, the culture kind of with the efficiency more, you know, Yes, people before COVID, now I don't look like it. You know, when I used to actually <laughs> shave and grow, groom my hair and wear a shirt with a collar, you know, some of the people would bug me and say, man, sometimes a suit's got to show up, right? I, and yeah. so it'd be, you know, you got to sometimes, I had to be the suit coupled with the people who could carry the credit in other fields and the combination takes it to the next stage. Yeah. And that's somebody that, and that's something that I got to give you credit for. You definitely, you know, they're, I think kind of the first generation of, you know, cannabis pioneers, you know, CEOs, you know, like yourself, you know, you see some of them that are, you know, all corporate, I, let's say Adam Bierman, right? MedMen, that's different. I think you stood out in the sense where you, I saw you actively trying to balance those two. And I commend you a lot for that because a lot of people weren't doing that. A lot of people weren't seeing the benefit in that until, you know, now, now, now people are starting to see that, you know, well, long term, you can, that, that's, that's what you need to be. Well, you, you know, um, it would be both disingenuine and disrespectful not to include in your thought process, the people who created the opportunity. Absolutely. And it would be foolish to try and continue with the exact same methods, tactics, and processes they had because that that only got us so far. Um, uh, you know, I would say at the end of the day, there's a whole lot of people who come to me now and we agree we had different approaches, but the outcome was a good one that both parties liked. I said, well, kind of like getting your kid to take a vitamin or you take a vitamin, right? Like I take them because they taste good. You might take them because you think they're good for you. At the end of the day, we're both taking our vitamins. And so the process of getting to here, like, some would say that um, some of the active arrest work that they took on and, and, and endured themselves made a big difference. I agree. And I would argue getting a marijuana company listed on the New York Stock Exchange did also a big deal. Absolutely. Um, but you can't have one without the other. Absolutely. And I think what's weird with that is you think about kind of cannabis culture. It's been going on for hundreds of years, right? And then this, this you know, you know, legalized, you know, culture kind of, it's just starting. So you have, you know, that contrast there. And I think there's a little bit of uh, friction going on. And, you know, I think people like yourself and, and others, you know, I think can help abridge that gap. Right? Well, I would say that also where it fell apart a little bit was, um, I think a lot of people who came in as the suits have some interest in cash because they must have some very expensive hobbies or something. So they wanted to keep everything for themselves. Yeah. And, and I have been banging on a drum about the idea that social justice and social inclusion has to start with inclusion, which means that every cannabis company, every hemp company, everybody who's been on the outside, who's now on the inside should have, and should be mandated to have, if they didn't have the good sense to do it, a minimum of 10% of the total company available for distribution in the form of stock options to everybody who works in the company. Mm. And there should not be a concentration in the hands of the three to five top executives greater than 15% of the total pool. And the that. effect of that is that you then share your company with everybody. The day I got fired, there were over 200 people who became millionaires prior to that because of coming to work and joining a company and taking equity. And um, you know what? Uh, the benefit to someone who starts as a cleaner 
making minimum wage plus maybe 50 cents, but as part of the company is twofold. One, they're on the team. You're part of the ownership group. Everybody should pick up their own cigarette butts. Don't put them on the ground because it's not Vic's job to clean them up. It's our job not to put them there. Second part is the proportional change in life that it makes for someone who's making a modest income who sees an extra half a million bucks come in is massive versus an executive making a very senior income. And so I think um, you can change the color and name sex of the person at the top. I'm fine with any of that, but that is one person in a company. The companies have to change to include everybody in the benefit and they do it in tech. Why is it not absolutely the demanded standard of cannabis? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody should be screaming about it. Everybody should be saying, that company do not buy their product. They do not have an inclusion program so that the people who work there get a share of the equity of the company. And until you do, we don't buy your product. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we'll see that in the future, a little bit more, um, you know, development, maybe maturation, you know, I think a little bit more of, uh, com- you know, the, the public being aware of, you know, name recognition, cannabis companies, so they can make that active decision. Um, yeah. And also, you know, I think right now in the early kind of years of this this new this new industry, people are a little afraid to step on toes and to you know piss some people off. Um, obviously, why? You know what? Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. th- this is the window of wealth creation. It should start yesterday for sharing. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm 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 no evangelical uh, who hasn't made money. I, I made a lot of money on cannabis, but you know what I didn't do. I paid myself zero salary for the first year and a half. And I took none of the available stock options for over two and a half years and gave them to everybody in the company. Why? Because then everybody works together. Everybody, you know, um, they have a stake in the game. They're not just, you know, they're not, they're not just doing all this work to help a few people. They're, they're helping themselves. Right. Well, and, and, and everybody's, um, it just creates a much more environmental. It's a fun environment, right? It's an inclusion. And it, um, I think it is so gauge. Is on that program. Oh, okay. As sure. an example. Love that. That's awesome. That's that's really cool. I did not know that. that yeah, they're into stock options and they're working through how do they keep getting more out and when they grow quickly, they always have catch up times. But the concept has been uh, embraced and the implementation has commenced. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, real quick though, with like cookies, right? Yeah. You know, I, I've I've studied cookies a lot just because. I'm fascinated about how, I mean, if you think about Burner and Cookie, like that brand, the brand equity around that brand is so far ahead of any other brand in, in yeah. terms of, it's not, there's no one even close. Like it is insane. I mean, there's some, they're creeping up there, but there's a, there's a cookies tier that I, I call it. Oh. And it's by, it's a class of its own. And, you know, like you said, they're great at marketing uh, Burner. They're great at getting the, you know, branding around the genetics, right? The, the quality of the cannabis is good. And, you know, you know, I've heard you talk about packaging, you know, it's not too complicated, not too flashy, but gets the point across and everyone can recognize it. Yeah, it is. Um, And so, you know, the, the guys at Gage had commenced on the cookies thing. I just, I leaned in to understand it better. And so there's three things I think cookies does smart to be a partner with them. One is they, and I, I I said this with burner last week. um, They don't try to like kill their partners. They take a small percentage carry, think long-term, and if and when they have a federal window to consolidate and have a national program, they can give notice and do so. Good for them. That's the right way. Um, but in the interim, their brand gets built up because everybody wants to sell it because it doesn't take every bit of margin out of our pocket. 
to move it. Second thing is they really do work on keeping a genuine story based on uh, great genetics work, high visibility of the principle, and cookies coupled with the way they pick their brands, their colors, their attention to detail. So um, when we were opening the store on uh, 8 Mile in uh, Detroit with the guys from uh, Gage, I was there, I don't know, two hours early. And what I loved about it is that the cookies folks had been in to make sure like their attention to detail when they paint out the ceiling, you don't have some cables, you can kind of see blue or white on the cables. No, if it was painted out black, everything's painted out. So there's this, there's a cookie standard, which is perfect. As long as you just meet, as long as you do everything perfectly, you meet our standard. And so you got terrific detail, great product, a sharing mentality, long-term thinking, and then burner works. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, the behind burner is a guy named Parker and Parker is super smart. He made a choice instead of running a fund, he wanted to be a partner in creating something great, which was his biggest investment in his fund. And so now you got, you got this combination of IQ characters, quality product, detail attention, a durable, shareable, like it, there, everybody else does one of those things. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And they're doing all, high levels. And I would say too, it also speaks to gauge cannabis, you know, and, and how cookies viewed, you know, you guys, because I mean, they wouldn't have partnered with you guys and they thought you were going to you know, handle that brand terribly, obviously. So yeah. you know, good on you. Now, one thing I want to highlight real quick. So burner, you know, he's in hip hop, he's a rapper, he kind of a combination of the two. He's, he's been able to intertwine, you know, cannabis, you know, cookies, cannabis strains into hip hop, popular culture, celebrity, right? He's leveraging celebrity. We're kind of in this new age of celebrity, right? That's why the, the youngest billionaire ever was now Kylie Jenner off makeup, right? Yeah. Uh, which I thought, you know, was Lily beat Mark Zuckerberg for that, which killed me. But looking at Canopy Growth and some of their moves that they've made with different celebrities, how do you think that's going to turn out? I'm very curious on, because you guys, Martha, or Martha Stewart with Canopy Growth, Snoop Dogg, obviously. Um, yeah, so, um, well, we have uh, some beverages with Seth. Um, so yep, yep. what we were trying to do is remember Canada has very specific rules that you can't advertise, yep. but it doesn't mean that the news can't cover you. Oh, right. Now you're getting the curveball I'm throwing, right? Like I can't uh, spend yeah. $1 on an ad, but if I happen to get a zillion eyeballs because Martha Stewart is going to work with us, that is not advertising. That is news information. That, oh, that makes sense. Can it be Martha? Can it be Martha? Can it be Martha? Can it be Martha? You know, you get where I'm going. So the first one we dropped on it was Snoop. And it was done so at the time where recreational cannabis was not available and wouldn't be available for um, well over a year. But we wanted to make it very clear. So actually, it was about 10 months out. Wanted to make it very clear. We expect it was coming. And who better to open the party than Snoop? No one better. Yeah. And, and so uh, that one worked terrific because it was like, boom. And then Martha, because Snoop and Martha, because Martha, Martha's global reach the day I sold the first gram of legal cannabis sold in Canada ever. And we had media in from Japan, China, Russia, you know, MSNBC, you know, all the things, tons and tons of media. If you look at the analytics on the amount of earned coverage we got for that, Versus Martha, about the same. Martha was a little better. Wow. So that's a big, big, so first thing you get. Second thing is with Martha, Snoop, Seth, they all work. 
So with Martha, they've just launched her CBD line. Leased by Snoop still sells great. And the beverages that uh, Seth and Evan and guys put together were the best. They were very detailed uh, oriented. And so um, their grapefruit and lemon flavor ones uh, really hit the market like, like a storm this summer in Canada. And so I think um, first that those, and then with each of them, we had alignment where we had very clear comp models that didn't kill the company and made them good money. Um, some of the ones that we, the ones, I wish I could tell you the ones we said no to, like, um, some of them, you know, they had this idea that if they left us with a fraction of the company, when they were done doing whatever they might do for us, we'd be ha- thankful and lucky. It's like, no, no it, thanks. It's a compromise there. You guys, you know, what we're going to do as well as, you know, you could take this, you know, your brand. And, and I think that's definitely, you, and you guys have been really smart about hedging your bets and not, or Canopy has been really smart about hedging yeah. your bets. And, well, and, one of the advantages I have um, when negotiating with these people is I'm socially unaware, right? Like I, I, I had no clue who Burner was. I knew who Snoop was, but I wasn't following it. I was probably more nervous with uh, Martha than anyone because I like food. Um, like I'm not a super culture. Now, if I was all caught up in culture, I might say, well, my favorite star is this. And then you start giving away an extra 10 points here, 20 points there by being a social loser. Um, I have a huge advantage for once in my life, which is, listen, this all has to make sense. Otherwise, like I'm, I'm pretty indifferent. You're using more of your head, not your heart, right? Mo- well, less- I wish I had a heart about it. Like I wish, um, I wish I grew up with a favorite, uh, artist and uh, I, I would have been I would have been a sucker I would have been a, I, I you can have it no I'm just kidding but you're right I think that's a great point though because I that's actually a really no I think that's a great point I've talked about that in, in terms of of talking to yeah other other you know, like Drake yeah I was gonna bring up Drake. Drake. just about to bring that up what well, about? and I don't know exactly what's going on there but like uh, I was very proud of him as a person because I think he's achieved quite a lot and from a, a geographic point of origin and uh, interesting family history, which wasn't a guaranteed success. And he's done unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Turns out he's actually a very, very uh, pleasant person. Like I, if they would have said, well, that's just some guy who lives next door. I said, well, he seems like you got a nice neighbor. Um, but um, how, how is that brand? So, so, so with um, more life, right? More life, more life. Yeah. Growth, right. I, I love that, that branding too. Now, how has that gone though? Cause I haven't really heard a lot. I don't, I just don't, I don't know exactly what's going on with. with well, as you'll recall, I did get fired about 15, I don't really know. And I haven't seen anything, but yeah. word is it's not happening. Yeah. That's like, just too bad. Yeah. Because you know, um, a lot of these things, you don't need to make it complicated, but like uh, Drake promotes the fact that he's from Toronto, Canada. He talks about the area code for dialing that he's from. And um I had a building under canopy in that geography, which had two challenges. One, it was, it was an early acquisition. So now it had become a relatively small building compared to the others we worked in and relatively costly. The second part was getting people to work there is harder in a big city than it is in a rural setting. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, what the heck are we going to do with this thing? Didn't want to sell it to competitor. Don't want to shut it down. Well, hmm. that guy always talks about being from here. Why don't we ask that guy? If he wants to have a brand, we turn this into his house, make premium product there, build a brand, and then fill any surplus demand that can't be met by that building from Canopy. You know what I mean? Like make a, make it like a, a, gate, a gateway to the brand and the product. Yeah. And so really I was trying to solve for with my team an asset that may or may not have been an optimal asset as just a standalone unbranded production site. Yeah. And so that, that's, you know, I think... Um, 
if you have a, a textured circumstance, it makes it easier to apply celebrity to a better outcome. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, and I think with Drake too, I, I mean, I have no, yeah, obviously I, I haven't heard a lot about it recently, but you know, I think I've heard some of the, and this is kind of, uh, you know, to the kind of the social awareness, right? There's benefits and, and sometimes, you know, uh, pros and cons, right? I don't know if, if Drake necessarily is associated with cannabis as much, but I don't think that's going to matter in the long term. personally. I think initially, you know, that, yeah. So, yeah. And that, well, it depends. Do you want to spend your whole life trying to convert people who currently buy from an illicit supply, probably, or do you want to say, hey, folks, look over here. This is legal and available. You should probably know about it. Yeah. I find there's a lot less stickiness of trying to take somebody from their guy than to say, fully legal, tested, safe, no trouble, come on over. Right, that, that, if you can get that new customer, that's, that's a pretty good customer. And so I would think that Drake, Martha, you know, they're gonna be associated with a whole cohort of people that might not have had much of a conversation about cannabis until you mix those names into the conversation. Absolutely, bringing in all those untapped kind of uh, demographics. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, so let's get, so we're kind of, let's get into the, the cannabis drinkable. So you kind of were one of the first people to really, you know, say this is, this is going to be a big part of cannabis and this could have a lot of, uh, you know, implications for potentially yeah. replacing alcohol. This is one of my I, favorite I, topics. I I've been following on this a lot. So, yeah. I was marketing an image of a glass bottle with a piece of wood cap that said tweed and the glass bottle, glass bottle was clear and the beverage inside was clear. That was all mocked up. You can't yet sell that bottle in Canada for a bunch of reasons. But the logic went this way. Um, if you did a survey and asked people who don't like cannabis, what are the three things you dislike about most about it? One of them would be this, the fact that it had to be smoked and the smell of the smoke. Okay, well, there's two strikes. Um, what percentage of the people smoke in each country really depends on how aggressive the federal government and state governments ran programs to tell you it's bad for you but like a diminishing number and the demographic of smokers tended to be, uh, depending on the country, older. Um, when you go to a party to socialize, do you expect to get handed a glass with ice or wine or a bowl of gummy bears? Like what is the sort of societal balance across people who have $100,000 jobs? Drink. Beverage, right there. So, so like, listen, our job's hard enough already. Why don't we make this easy for ourselves? Why don't we just make something that already pours in the glass with the piece of ice and is already the socially normal way to become intoxicated? Attach that infrastructure, right? That, right, that. so like you have bars, yep, yep. Okay, well, maybe we can make that one a bar bar and that one a cannabis bar, good, okay. They have glasses, yep, glass, glass, ice, ice, yep, yep, yep. Um, so the whole notion was that a beverage, I think, should be viewed as the path of least resistance to presenting people with something that will cause them to have a recreational adult choice outcome. And then you say, well, is it, what's it like compared to my competitor? Well, it has zero calories potentially. Well, what's the other one? Well, it is calorie packed. So if you can't find enough to eat, well, you should drink booze. But if you can actually find enough to eat, you don't need to get extra calories, you drink cannabis. Second is, does alcohol molecule, what does it do? How does that alcohol molecule work? Well, it's actually a depressant. Hmm. So like that's what explain why you get snarly or tired, slow down. Yeah. 
breaks down your um, body physically over time. Right. How about cannabis? Nope. And, 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 and so, okay. No hangover. And what about if I'm taking like a blood pressure pill or a blah, blah, blah pill? Is there a lot of drug on drug interaction with alcohol? Oh God. Yeah. How about with cannabis? Nominal, marginal, more the CBD. CBD might be a little more frisky, even the THC. Okay. So play that backwards. It says that most people who take a pill daily are getting older. Many people who are richer are older. They can't drink booze and they don't want to be fatter. So now I have something to unlock party time for mom and dad. Shut up. They got tons of dough. And so all of a sudden you have this ideal demographic who right now might go out and buy a $400 bottle of scotch because they have a thumb cap every two weeks. And you know what? They don't have as much fun. And so I just think it's absolutely by definition of segment of market and all the virtues going to happen. It's biggest risk is which venues will be allowed to become like, why aren't concerts special this summer in Canada? They would have had them if not for COVID special permit licenses where the only beverage they could sell would have been cannabis beverages. Because they don't want you selling yeah, both. Absolutely. And, and imagine too, you know, you talk about Live Nation, talk about Drake. Imagine having, you know, co-branded stuff, drinks with Drake, you know, like all those things, right? Yeah, the venues are key for sure, right? But you, you look like a pretty stocky big guy and it would be, you know, like if you're the guy who's the bouncer at the concerts, your job would either be easier or they wouldn't need many of you because if everybody's just drinking cannabis beverages, I think the number of meatheads getting in fights might go way the hell down. Definitely. Right? So yeah. like all of a sudden, like the biggest loser is the, the person who likes to bash people's heads as the security guard because there's actually nobody initiating a fight. You're right. That's, that is hilarious. I love that. Absolutely. Now, so this is a big thing that I've been seeing is that I've heard people talking about people trying to get, like you've seen like the white claw, right? You've seen the cell syrup. Yeah. But that's exactly what, you know, canopy growth, you know, the, the low dose, right? Four to, four to two. You know, right. Yeah. Why do they drink this stuff? Because it says like 90 calories, 100 calories. How about zero calories? Yeah, exactly. Now, the thing, though, that I'm interested in is people have talked about trying to get almost a exact um, taste and feeling like, like, a, like if you can get a cannabis drink to be like a white claw, like in terms of effect, because, you know, like you, you, you take, you know, THCA is not my favorite personally for myself because it's very psychoactive. I don't necessarily want a ton of psychoactive properties in my, my cannabis drink that's supposed to replace my beer or right. seltzer. Is that like, how far along is that? Do you, do you have any? Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say that it's progressing in that direction. And the reason is it's more of a sippable drink versus if you go and take a big drag on something with 27% THC, sounds like you go to a place that you start, you know, uh, dealing with an alternate version. Yeah. Um, this, is, this allows you to sip and have a very slow onset. Like take your time, you don't have to chug it back and it's not going straight in the elation, but there'll be an evolution of it. To me, that's just science. And so if you got the platform and the regulation and the market, now you have funding for science. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, in terms of, you know, I'm sure Canopy is looking to, you know, utilize constellation and the you know massive uh, distribution um, that that they have right i mean that's obviously been a big plan uh, you know is that day one you know with campus drinks has that been well so we we'd sort of invented the whole drink and we actually had several of the names and then we brought them in because we if you know where you're going it's much easier to negotiate to get somebody to join you mm -hmm. If you show up and say, I have no clue, will you give me some money? You're going to get, instead of $4 billion, you're going to get $4. And so um, 
I think we had an incumbent value that they could probably turn into multiples because, you know, you can start to think about how does this go into the U.S. And, and you know, very, they're very, very good at things like, um, you know, how do we listen to the audience now? Like the analytics, you know, they, they know, I think, um, probably part of the reason they do so well in the beverage industry is they do better analytics and comprehensive understanding of their market and where it's going and they can get there before the market gets there. Absolutely. That, that's going to be very helpful for a canopy. So I think it was really more like, hey, guys, and I think they were super smart to do it, right? Like, um, if you own clear alcohol or beer as a primary revenue stream and don't have a plan to hedge that, like shore it up with a cannabis thing, um, why not? Yeah, why not? You should. Every one of them should have it. And these guys just move faster. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and absolutely, absolutely. Um, so how do you think, you know, obviously Constellation now is running the show over at Canopy you know, that whole new installation with, uh, you know, all of their executives now, how do you think they've done this just overall? Um, I think um, the only thing that I see that I'm not super aligned with, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think David's terrific, but they made the options instead of being five years so that you have to get some stuff done. They made them 10 years, mm -hmm. like 10 years to me gives you the pace of a underpaid bureaucrat versus like, I'd make them shorter, right? Like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Because if you want to win, you got to have pace. But other than that, I think they're very professional. Uh, the, the folks in the operating shop, um, David is a very competent person. Um, the board must like him a lot. His salary uh, is a pretty substantial one, but yeah, that's not his fault. That was crazy. I'm not gonna lie. I saw that. Um, I it's not well deserved, but yeah. um, but overall, um, if you they they wrote a check. 4 billion US dollars for about 27% of a six-year-old company. That does give you the latitude to determine how you want to make it happen. And I think that, you know, they, they're kind of a family business at Constellation, even though they're public. So they, um, you know, they probably think a couple generations. Absolutely. Right? So <clears throat> you won't have to be that long-term to see cannabis beverages in the US. I think uh, acreage is going to be carrying them next summer. Yeah, I know. I saw that. That's awesome. And we're going to get right into that. But, you know, one thing I think this is a perfect kind of segue to is like, do you, you know, in the email I sent you that one of the questions was, you know, do you think that it was like a blessing or a curse with that massive investment? Because in my opinion, and, and I think you can do a lot of different things with the money, but I also think that if it's, you, you build, you know, humans are going to waste if they have the ability to waste. And I think if you're building an infrastructure off of, you know, massive injection of capital, and I'm not saying that, you know, yeah those later on, but I think it could, could potentially create inefficiencies at the same time though, too, you know, you guys are, Canada was the first, you know, legal, big, you know, big legal market, you know, a little bit of the, you know, first man over the hill kind of get shot a little bit. And you guys, yeah. and you guys have done a lot of, you know, progression for everyone else, you know, us studying you guys, right. And what you guys have done. Yeah. I think there's a bit of that, but you know, things are always a bit more nuanced, right? Like they had already put in 400 million ish us for 19.9 and obviously they liked it or they liked the sector and so if somebody is a big partner and they like it and they like the sector and you say i won't take any more of your money that might trigger them to say well then i'm going to sell what i have with you and try with somebody else now that wouldn't have been good for us would it mm -hmm. um second thing is it was my 16th round of financing yeah. and if i said where i was going i think i if i was still there i had a plan how we could use 10 billion to globally dominate globally dominate, like not be a leader. I mean like zero debate, 
in all science-driven outcomes that result in medical or recreational products, who's number one? And so um, if you have a view of how you'll use science to create outcomes in those two main markets, and it's a once in a lifetime trade, and the market's annually worth three, four, 500 billion, um, 10 billion seems like a hell of a deal to be dominant in that size of market. Absolutely. And so I think it was uh, necessary. The other side of a coin of having too much money is not having enough and being insolvent. And if you're the biggest company with the biggest ambition and you've put your footprint very wide, you better have a lot of cash. And you're starting to see some of these challenges manifest in places like um, Aurora now. Even um, one could argue someday not terribly far out, Tilray, Privateer, like all these guys that have converts that are going to come home. They have uh, debt to equity, debt to cash ratios that are negative. Um, that's not where I wanted to be. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're... You're definitely right. Aurora, you know, not looking great. And Canopy on, um, you know, so, you know, coming, kind of coming out of that initial bubble looks pretty damn good to me, honestly. I, I would yeah. say, yeah, by far. No, 100%. 100%. Well, you know, what's really weird is, and I don't usually show people, but um, this is a Blackberry. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's the last one they've made. Not that, this may not be the last one off the line, but it's the last version. And the reason it exists still, and the reason that they're in about 60% of all cars have electric systems that control all kinds of stuff in your car. QNX is a division of BlackBerry and they dominate that market. Yeah. And the reason they exist to do that is when the company would, people would say, oh, your company's worth 20 billion, 10 billion, 15, 30 billion. The two principals would say, you're probably right. Why don't we sell some stock and raise some cash and put more in the bank? So they put billions in the bank when they were super valued. And then when their value went down, they still had billions in the bank and they spent it. So they now have a terrific car control business. They have these other things. So, you know, um, that didn't, that never left my mind when we had a very high valuation. You're right. Let's, let's use it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of, you know, Canopy trying to, intertwine with different, you know, with the U.S. market, you know, you have Canopy Rivers, right? Um, you know, investing in a wide, you know, portfolio. Well, except Canopy Rivers is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange, which means that it can't go after U.S. opportunities. It also means that it has a humongous gain in something called Terrasend, like a $130, 150000000 million gain. But you know what it can't do? Touch it or use it because it has to sit off balance sheet. Like, the screaming question to me is, why don't they move to the Canadian Securities Exchange where all the U.S. guys list and all of this is available to them and then they wouldn't put another penny into Canada? You'd put all your potential into the U.S. and you'd probably make shareholders a lot of money. But anyhow, keep going. But like I look at Rivers and go, man, that, that Terrasen gain could be a lot of return if it could be leveraged. Yeah, and I didn't actually did not know that. But yeah, no, that's, yeah, because they, they do have a nice portfolio. I, I, for the most, I like it. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm potentially going to interview the uh, the CEO of Canopy Rivers, which you once were as well. But, you know, so I see that with the investment and then we see the acreage holdings deal, right? Yeah. Now, I love that deal because you guys, you know, has your bet. You were saying, you know, we're waiting for more of a, you know, we don't want to see that. We don't want to go into this fragmented market right now. We want to wait till more legalization occurs or federal legalization, right? Well, kind of. So like when uh, Murph and I made, got that deal done, 
I'm listed on the New York Stock Exchange. I'm not going to do anything that results in not being listed there because it's a highly credible position when you go to say, like, see the German government and explain why you should be selected for something. Oh, well, we're the biggest in the world. We're listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Right away, they're tr- going, okay, well, that's pretty good. I can tell my boss I picked the one listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, so when we did that deal, we had to do it in a way that didn't go offside with that, which is we bought the right from shareholders, not the company, to buy them in the future. And what we did is we established at that time that uh, acreage, when they could be brought into us, would represent about 17% of the total value of the company, total holdings. And the reason I wanted to do that is um, it gave me certainty if and when a surprising event randomly occurred and all of a sudden it was federally not illegal in the US. Now we're locked in, let's go. And in the time between doing the deal in that event, you can share smarts, ideas, intellectual property, whatever down. And so that slowed for a year or so when I was out, but I think it's picking up speed now again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the effect of that should be that the thing that gets folded in is actually way better because it always has many of the components of the parent. Absolutely, it's the unofficial arm, right, for you guys in the US, which I I thought was, yeah, I thought that was very smart. Now they're setting up, you know, the infrastructure working, with Constellation, get that uh, infrastructure to distribute the uh, the drinkables, which I think is super smart. And then you also have some, you know, VC ties there too, some political ties uh, to help negotiate for that. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I, I thought that was a good deal. A lot of, yeah, I thought that was a good deal. Had a couple of half twists to get it done, but um, now we got to keep on track here because I got to keep track of what I'm doing. Yes, sorry. Yes. We're going to get, we're gonna get okay. to that here too. We're going to get to that, all that stuff as well. Um, yeah, so let's get into, so are you trying to continue, you know, Henry Ford's vision with hemp? Other, you know, big, you know, major industrialists with their, with their vision with hemp and Henry Ford specifically, right? He wanted to make 90% of the car out of hemp, right? The gasoline, hardened hemp. I found out about hardened hemp and it blew my freaking mind. And and you're the first person who's actually been a good student that I've talked to. Thank like you. most people... Uh, didn't realize how enamored with hemp Mr. Ford was. Um, To the point, I believe you had a $10 bill in the U.S. sometime in the 30s that showed a factory and a field, and the field was a hemp field, and the factory was a Ford car field, or factory. And um, he had fuel, a line of cars, exec cars powered by hemp fuels. He had started creating cars that were substantially hemp uh, involved. And then it all got banned. And like, if you go further back, like, as I understand it, um, perhaps one of your early flags made by Betsy Ross was on hemp fabric. Some of the pages that key documents in the creation of your country were written on hemp paper. Um, It was a crop that if not produced, you would not have had the ability to get to the US nor could have anyone gotten back without sales and rigging made from it. And then it was all out banned. And so the reason I'm enthusiastic about it is it's much easier to turn something with such a prestigious and relevant history to a country than it is to introduce it. And so the farm uh, bill was approved in 2018 really could have started that process, except everybody was crazy about CBD and no one talked about Mr. Ford and the industrial applications of hemp. So many. I was, 
I wasn't unhappy about that. I was a little surprised because I'd already been aware of and thought, it's a remarkable plant. It doesn't tip over and fall over. It's like 21 feet tall and a spindle in a field and they don't all fall over. Wow. How do they work? Really cool root, really strong fibers. Wow. And then you start dealing with these things and digging in. So one of the things I'm trying to do is recognize there's an opportunity to deploy capital and create things or buy things, which are the processes that sit between a farmer's field and a Ford factory. And what you want to be able to do is take that plant in one door and have it go out about four doors or five doors of various outputs from the plant. The infrastructure, right? And I've heard you talk about this, right? But it, could be the, it could be the HDPE equivalent pellets for injection molding. It could be components that are for clothing fibers. They could be pieces that um, tie together to help make the fender of the car better. It could be the interior, it could be carpets, it could be jeans, and it could be food. It could be oils and greases. It has a whole bunch of things that basically shorten the supply chain. And I think what you're going to see is post-COVID and for the next decade, people are going to start asking more about how much can I buy that has principally been produced in the country of origin and help people in the country I'm in. And hemp has the potential, I think, more than any other unexploited input to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, Absolutely. And I think you're so right about, you know, people just got, I think they got off the course with the CBD. I think they, you know, yeah. really, it just became, you know, now CBD's almost suffered from that because there's so much volume and market. Yeah. I've been getting a lot of calls again with a whole lot. There are a bunch more people planted it again this year in big volumes and they got wax of biomass and they're like, I'm like, I, I'm of zero help. You yeah. got the wrong plant. You put, you put it through a harvester and chopped it all up. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think you're, I think you're spawn with that. I think you're 100. So, and really quick too, you know, that blew my mind, you know, you're talking about the fender of the car, you know, like hardened hemp, you know, the fact that it's seven times stronger than steel, right? Depending on how you treat it, it can be for sure. It can be, it can be extraordinarily strong. It can conduct electricity if you do it right. Like the shit is super, like you can make lighter, smarter be, uh, electric cars with it. You can build a house with it. I think cause I worked construction when I was younger you know, insulation, make it way more, you know, eco, eco-friendly because I've done construction really, really, really bad for the environment. It's yeah, really- yeah. Insulation made from this stuff is better than trying to take uh, paper, cellulose and repurpose it. It's way better than most of the, the alternate uh, insular materials in terms of the environment. And you can manage it to make it very fire resistant. So like there's, you know, but again, what is it? You need to have a base business apply science to the plant to make future better derivative products. Because there's not a huge demand for sales anymore. Right? Like I'm not gonna open up a huge hemp business making sales so you can cross the Atlantic on sail ships because there aren't many. But you could make a lot of electric cars because people seem to like them. Absolutely. And, and so, so as part of that, like, you know, potentially that approach was, would be to, you know, figure out, you know, you know partners to work with and, and set up, you know, you know, to help and um, create that infrastructure, because like you're saying, a lot of the problem right now is the, you know, you could create the infrastructure to manufacture parts, but where do you, where's the output to? That well, sense. I think where, where I want to sit is let the farmers farm, maybe partner with some of the harvesting equipment companies so they can actually make the harvesting equipment, harvest that stuff stronger than steel and take the, the top part off and do that. But I want to have is a variety of processing facilities that bring that stuff in and send this batch off 
to go make your car seats or your carpets and send this batch off to go make your fenders and this send this batch off to go make your extrusion plastics. That batch goes off to the guys who are going to make super reliable and, and environmentally sound paints. And this bit goes off or, you know, like that's, and so then really what you are is you're the, the, the vector between farm product and pharmaceutical food and industrial. You're, you're the, you're like standard oils refineries, right? You're, right. Right. Bring, bring it in the, bring it in the side door. It goes out all the other doors in various formats of value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's collective growth, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Awesome. Very and that's, that's one of the things it's working on. Like collective growth is a SPAC. SPACs yep. are very funny things. Basically it's a NYSE or NASDAQ listing with cash in the bank that you can't spend, but you go find things, bring it back to your shareholders and they could say, yes, like I could run off and buy a bank tomorrow if it was a good deal. And they'd say yes to that. So it's kind of interesting because the hemp thing is a mission. The SPAC is a, you get literally knock, knock, knock in your door every week of somebody saying, you should, we should be your choice. Let us go public with you. Yeah. I, I saw those. Yeah. I saw those recently start to become a thing. And, and I saw, you know, you explaining them and yeah, they were a little perplexing to me initially, but you know, it, it makes a lot of sense though. I mean, it's, it's, there's the, you know, the pool of, you know, money that can potentially attack opportunities quickly. And I think that, you know, well, pay, and if you, if pay, you have a good, you have a good private company, do you want to try and do a roadshow during COVID and not be sure if it works or not? Or do you want to go knock, knock, knock at collective growth door and say, you guys have 150 million bucks and you're listed. Yeah. So if I, if I join with you, I'm listed and have 150 million bucks. Yeah. More if you want it. Um, okay. You know, that, that doesn't seem like a crazy idea when you present it that way, does it? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. So got a few more questions we're gonna get we're gonna get into the psychedelic stuff we're gonna get into a couple other things but i want to ask you about like customizable cannabis it's something i'm very very into personally understanding that you know every individual is you know has a different interaction with cannabinoids and cannabis right and you know i think the future in a lot of ways for consumers is everyone understanding their individual you know uh interaction with cannabis and certain cannabinoids and then being able to have, you know, a customized experience for the consumer. Have you, have you really, have you looked into that at all? Like in terms of, you know, here and there, cause I, there's, there's, I, for example, I did a I interviewed the CEO of uh, endo DNA. It's like, you know, 23 and me, but for cannabis, you send in your, you know, DNA, they do yeah. an analysis of you. And then they send back recommendations uh, based, based not just on your genetics, but also uh, there's also some qualitative stuff that, you know, you know, that you, give feedback to like on, you know, not just genetics, but you know, your feedback, well, how you feel. I don't know if you really looked at it. So I think that is a, a third phase, good idea. Right now, most places struggle. If you bought it today, can you get the same thing tomorrow? Yeah. So you may have a profile that says I am perfect for blah, blah, and blah. And today I produce you blah. And tomorrow you come back to the store and you got blah, 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 blah. And so I would say that the capacity to deal when it's not extracted and sold as milligrams. So if it is a plant, it's going to have variability that doesn't match with your profile. I think that's just reality. Yeah. Seasonality, you name it. So many so facts. Now you're saying, well, when it's extracted in milligrams. And so that profile, does it capture the implications of terpenes and the other 90 or 100 cannabinoids on you? Don't know. Probably not because people don't know about that shit. Yeah. 
Um, so I think the concept makes sense. The ability to actually deliver exactly what they want is yet impossible. Yes. And so I think the gap is extraction, isolation, and then saying, well, when we put the cannabis back together, when we've taken all those hundred cannabinoids out and all those terpenes out, when we reformulate for you, you'd like two of those, four of those, none of those. Okay, no problem. Then your big bullseye target makes sense, but we're not there yet. We got nothing to throw at the bullseye target. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're- So I am not opposed to it, but I think the reality is a precise target with absolutely no precise instruments to shoot, throw, rocket launch at the target. Like right now we'd be best, we'd be basically trying to shoot a cannonball from a rocking boat and an uh, electronically defined precise target. That's yeah. the mismatch. Absolutely, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that, yeah, it sounds great, but I think that is a little bit off in the future. Um, now, let's get into something that fascinated me with you is the psychedelic industry and how, you know, your investments there. And I, I would love yeah. to just talk about that a little bit in terms of- um, Well, it's kind of like Michigan was a bad idea a year ago. Nobody was a year and a half ago too excited about it. Same thing with uh, psychedelics. And it's not that it's psychedelics to me. I think um, it's things that have been ill-treated under bizarre regulatory programs that might actually be better for us than the things we welcomed. Like they just set, shut down uh, Purdue because of their $8 billion fine or whatever it was for making Oxy super available in a tricky way. Yet we wouldn't let ourselves consider using these things called psychedelics. Um, so I liked the topic because it was treated poorly and I didn't like the vocabulary. What I like is psychedelic inspired medicines. Because one of the things that's very true is if you want to make something that works really well as a molecule, start with a good molecule and then make it better. And so I think MindMed is on that theme where it's trying to not say we are in favor of one or the other. Nope. We're in favor of outcomes that can be regulated and are beneficial. And further, yeah. further, you know, exploring the, that space and seeing what we can unlock, right? Right. And then, like, uh, the reason I uh, participated in Red Light Holland is I, I thought, you know what? Everybody really is comfortable talking potentially about medical for psychedelic-inspired medicines. But the reality is, is if you could get on a plane right now and go to Amsterdam, you probably would. And if you did, if you're there for three days, you might spend one of them completely crushed on uh, shrooms. Um that's okay, but it's not really what the regulars do and it's not what everybody's there. So why don't we have like a really well-prepared, well-thought-out, responsibly packaged, always the same microdosing platform called Red Light Holland. And you will have tourists come, but you'll also have locals. And then you'll have locals meaning all of Europe. And then you'll get good at it. And then you can say, where else can I legally do this? Oh, Jamaica. Yep. Hmm. Brazil. Yep. And so more and more places will become platforms for that because there is enough evidence that microdosing actually does have a positive effect for many people with psilocybin. Yeah. And so I like red light for that. And I write, I like my med for the big, big, like science driven clinical trial stuff. And, you know, anything I would say that if you took a business idea to your sort of accountant type relative and they said whoa that doesn't sound like it's something i know about from before okay that's a good sign <laughs> oh 
Um, I'm not sure that will be good for your reputation. That's a good sign. And if they say, I think it's illegal, but you know, it's not like bet the house on it. Absolutely. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's a, a, a great explanation of that. And to, have you, have you ever, have you ever talked to, have you ever met Paul Stamets? You ever listened to him? You, you know about him, Paul Stamets? Why do I know? What, give me more. He's, um, he did, uh, he, he's like the, you know, he, he had, he had, oh. he, he was stuttering. He was on Joe Rogan he did a great uh, podcast, but he, he was on, um, what is it? What is he, he has a company, a really big one. Um, but you know, he's some, he's very, very big in the mushrooms bear, the, you know, he's the guy with the book. He's, he's got, um, yeah, he's got like, uh, he actually, I think he lives in Washington. He's, he's yeah. So I know who he is name. Um, here's part of the, remember how I'm not socially aware. Yes. <laughs> I, also, I also have like stacks of books. Everybody gives me books. You know what? I never read books. <laughs> like I know I should read books. You know what I read? This is today's, this is today's reading. This is what I've been reading today. Various reports, clinical Probably, studies. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and, and so like, it's partially an excuse, but it's also like books are super long and I'm not really good with like, um, I'm very good at focusing on a document, a purpose, but I know when I read like that document, I'm going to understand how clinical studies going. Yeah. Absolutely. I know the one below it. When I read it, I'm going to actually have a contractual structure that it will do what I want or I'll change it. When you read a book, you don't exactly know what it's about. So I find it very hard to focus unless you told me this book will teach you these three things. Yeah. So when you brought the guy's name up, I'm like, man, if it's a guy who wrote a book, it's, it's one of the, that's not even that really. It's more so like he, he's, a, I'm, I'll, I'll text you some, uh, a link to a quick video that explains kind of, you know, him. Yeah. He's, he's kind of very, you know, very revolutionary in terms of, uh, you know, unlocking the potentials of different. If, if he was, if he was in a grocery store lineup before me or behind me, I would know him and talk to him because we would talk about, like, I would ask him about why are you buying those groceries? Do you, I don't know how to cook that. What is that? And we would have a very good social interaction. Um, I have learned a great deal from people in grocery store lineups, asking them about why they're buying the groceries they're buying and how they cook them. Uh, and then it ends up, they describe to me like their entire life philosophy or a book they've written or something. But that's how I learn. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not buying that book. I'm not reading that book, man. Just I, I haven't like, I, haven't, I, haven't, I feel you on the books though too. I'm, I have books everywhere around the place. I have stacks of them. I know I want, I want, I think, I think nowadays, you know, I mean, for, you know, grow, you know, I'm mid twenties. Right. And going through high school, right. There was, go, you know, okay, here's your reading. We didn't use a reading. We went on to spark notes, man. We read a summary. <laughs> like, that's what the, the, the <laughs> I am so lucky. I'm older than you because I would have found every shortcut there would have been like, there's no chance. Like I had to do some of it. In fact, I shouldn't say that in grade 10, I paid a guy named Greg Campbell to do all of my accounting homework. And I ended up finally graduating with a degree in university that involves some of this stuff. But I remember thinking in high school, who in their right mind would do these practical exercises over and over when you can go work a part-time job and pay Greg Campbell to do your stuff? I did the same thing. So he did a much better job of my assignments than I did of my tests, but I did a sufficient job to get the credit. And so yeah, I used to, I used to work in medical in high school and sell weed in high school put some of that money to some friends, they would, they would take care of it. You know, these, the, yeah, the complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay. Um, okay. I got 
two quick questions. You got time you still? Or? Yeah, two quick and then I get to get out of here. Okay. Um, thank you, by the way, for your time. Really, I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, okay, so this is kind of a kind of throwing this out there a little bit. I, I'm just curious. Have you potentially seen or heard of any sort of, you know, black market art activities when it comes to the big Canadian or not big Canadian company, but Canadian, you know, legal Canadian cannabis? Because, you know, in, in uh, the US, right, we have some illegal states, some legal states. Some yeah. states have really, really tough, you know, taxes, all that. So some companies will take, you know, the excess they have and put it out to other states and, and you know, fund themselves, you know, for now that way. Have you seen that at all in, in Canada? I just, just, you know. Yeah. Um, so two things. One is I always call it the illicit market. Yes. Because I think it's better than using yes, yeah. uh, phraseology of tone. Yes. Um, yeah. So illicit market's the best word. Um, and I think so far in Canada, there hasn't been when there might be is right now. And it's because we're having uh, croptober like 1200 acres plus of cannabis are being harvested this fall. And it's gonna have a lot of opportunity to not get where it's supposed to go and there's no place that wants it all. So if I were thinking like, when could it happen? Now you're gonna have this massive glut of highly, like when I started this shit, I had to basically have like everything so locked down, you had five gadgets and fingernails and blah, blah, blah. Now it's a friggin' field with a fence around it and there's enough of them to have 1,200 acres. Yeah, that's so much. So, um, well, how are we moving it from place A to B? Oh, big tractor. Okay, that's secure. And when we get to, like all the way, it used to be you moved down a hallway and the entire hallway was under camera. Now you have fields that like, oh, well, it got dark while I was harvesting. Um, I'll be like two minutes. Um, it got dark while I was harvesting. So what the hell am I going to do? I just kept working. Well, how do I know where you took the shit? It was dark when you left the field. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen between now and the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And now I got people at my door saying, Hey, we're having a meeting. Yep. No worries. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're good. Well, no, I want to, yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the other two questions. I don't want to take too much time. So those other two questions, I think, will they could potentially. We know. Oh, that. we filled up a good. If we if you need more, let me know. But thanks for moving half an hour early. Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Thank you for your time. I'd love to maybe have you back. We had a great. Oh yeah. But, get uh, Olivia. Olivia will get you. Awesome. Thank you so much. So this is the Frame Flower Podcast, episode number twenty, with a very special guest, Bruce Linton. Thanks, man. Thank you. Enjoyed it. You don't want to talk, God. Smile.